Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that doesn't know yet if this will air. Or maybe it will surface 50 years from now on an 8 hour 9320 documentary on Disney Plus as a rarity called The Pod That Never Was. And yes, I've just compared us to the Beatles. <laughs> on today's show, we'll be asking if Sunday's game is going ahead and whether it should go ahead and who will likely win it if it does. And to discuss all this, sharing a moment as we stumble our way through extraordinary times. I'm delighted to be joined by the Friday gang of Ali, Harry and, well, me. Hi Ali, you well pal? I am, yeah. Uh, Ringo of the band checking in. <laughs> I want to be Ringo. Everyone wants to be Ringo. <laughs> no one wants to be Paul. <laughs> Harry, you well? Are you willing to be Paul? Um, I'm not too familiar. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so if, if, if you want to... I'm not having this. No, no, no. I mean, I know you're younger, mate. That's fair enough. You might, you might, you're interested in music. I don't know where that lies. That's fine. You I think know the, the Beatles. I think the baby, the baby of the band. No, I, I know the Harry, Beatles. Harry's officially George, I think, today. I think <laughs> yes, to George, yes. George, yes. I'm just not George. too familiar about the personalities. I don't I'm want to commit enough. myself to someone and they end up being... You know, <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, well, there's only one place to start, uh, and which is just basically us groping around in the dark, because none of us know yet if the game's going ahead. And I want to start with you, Harry, because you're going to the game on Sunday. Yeah. So before we get into the ethics of it and the logistics of it all, just from a, support, a supporter's point of view, how do you feel right now? Do you feel the game could go ahead? It's You're, you're, you're in limbo, essentially, right now, aren't you? Yeah, I think you kind of summed it up perfectly. I'm a bit in the doubt of it. It's a bit frustrating. I've because of work and stuff, I've not been able to get to any away games. And then one of my friends was like, "Look, I've got you the ticket. I've got you the coach travel. You go into this one." So I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I finished for Christmas. Um, I'll be able to go." But obviously, for me, it's it's all sorted for me. It's the the people who are sorting these coaches and you know like all the supporters clubs the people that are going down separately there's people who obviously have to go down the night before that are not from Manchester or nearby that have to book hotels and stuff and I think it's probably the most frustrating thing is probably the incompetence of the the Premier League about making a decision Mm. Um, I mean the the case in point is the the Leicester and Tottenham one I think that's been the biggest shambles I mean rejecting it first time around when Leicester had was it nine players out yeah. with, with COVID and Tottenham were very similar and then on the day of the game turning the decision completely around even though they said categorically that it was going ahead um, I think that is the worry that you know two hours before the game we're halfway down the, the 62 and and it gets called off but there's people in much worse positions than me you know that'll be coming from from, from different parts of the country and having to book time off work um, when perhaps they need to. You know, it's Christmas. It's a very expensive time of the year. Um, train prices in the UK, you know, it doesn't need to be said how rubbish they are. And yeah. and petrol at the moment, you know, petrol's massive. If, you, if you're just driving, I mean, I know myself, I've got a little car, but I'm going through petrol like nothing at the moment. And it's so, so expensive. And people at this time of the year can't afford to just be wasting money like the Premier League are making them do at the moment. There needs to be some sort of decision made beforehand about the round of fixtures rather than just particular games. Well said, I completely agree. Uh, Ali, do you, do you agree with that? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a mess at the moment. I think what we need at the moment is a Premier League and a national game of football that is managed and run by intelligent, well-informed, thoughtful, <laughs> clever people. Mm. And actually, it's managed by a bunch of fuckwits. So what we can then do is, is try and look above them to our government and, and the authorities and hope that they can produce some kind of sensible policy and guidance for the nation. And of course, we're governed by a bunch of fuckwits. So, like, <laughs> Really, I don't hold up much hope for anyone. As, as Harry said, the Tottenham game this week was an absolute fiasco. I mean, um, I was I was mortified on behalf of Tottenham fans, which doesn't happen mm. very often. Um, just uh, the idea that you know uh, Harry and other fans could not. I mean, there's the travel, there's the cost. Um, the idea that people could be well on the way to Newcastle and then they just make a decision at like midday on Sunday and, and mm. tell everybody to turn their cars around or they you know get off the train and go home again, um, which is a real possibility because they've done this before and they, they may well do it again. Uh, really. The, the the football uh, authorities, the game, needs to do the same as the country does, which is kind of take it in the chin, have a, a quick, sharp, sharp shock, um, try and have what they call a circuit breaker and, and uh, just you know send everyone home for eight days until the other side of Christmas and, and hopefully we can get on top of this. Uh, there's absolutely no sign this is going to happen. So what's going to happen is we're going to muddle on from hour to hour and day to day, making it up as we go along. Um, on top of all that, there's so much more I think football and football clubs could be doing to make uh, supporters safer. Make that you know, like one thing that is not getting talked about much is actually the risk of the you know, Harry and everyone else. Uh, yeah. Faces of actually going to a game. Um, what extra measures have been put in place to keep people socially distanced and and yeah you know, reduce the uh, the risk to a minimum? To the best of my knowledge, absolutely none. Um, the football stadiums are still packing their bars and trying to get as much like additional as many additional pennies out of everybody as they possibly can. Um, the whole thing is just like so badly organised and badly thought through, and it's not as if. They couldn't have seen another spike in COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic coming because we've been living this with nearly two years now. And this is how it works. And, you know, they, all of this, uh, it was quite predictable it was going to happen in Christmas 2021. But if it wasn't happening in Christmas 21, it was sure as hell going to happen at some point sooner or later. So they really should have been prepared. They should have had their uh their procedures and their protocols in place so that everybody knew what would happen if there was another outbreak like this and it's just not there and it's really depressing and all we really want to do is you know look forward to christmas and look forward to some like really good games of football and and enjoy you know our, our fantastic team playing fantastic football as they're doing at the moment um and all of this is just such a uh yeah distraction and a um negative influence and all of that it, it's all deeply depressing Mm, well, absolutely. Um, Ali made a point there, Harry, about kind of your safety going on Sunday. Uh, and there'll be mm. many listening to this part who are going on Sunday. Um, is that a concern for you? I mean, you know, you don't need to be told yourself that the numbers are soaring right now with COVID. Yeah. Um, you'd be getting on a coach with other people. You'd be in the ground with other people. Um, is it a concern to you? Me and my mates are actually having a discussion about this the other day. It's quite you know we, we all sort of support different football clubs it's quite scary how like these restrictions have come into place these new restrictions and, and no one's sort of taken them as seriously as maybe the first lockdown I mean I I live pretty much a mile away from the Trafford Centre mm. and unfortunately I have to go and do my Christmas shopping there 
and it's just the staggering the amount of people that just won't wear a mask um they're just incapable of giving you space it's it's scary so that i suppose you're sort of trying to rely on other people that but at the moment i don't even want to bring this back to it but you can't even rely on your own government so yeah people are taking the stance that you know uh, you know what it's a difficult question um but then again did you see then scary stats the other day about the the, the efl players and 25 percent of them not wanting to be vaccinated yeah and um, how it compares to germany as well and other countries it, it's scary it, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know that will probably kind of relate to what we're talking about here and the kind of, you know, the outbreaks that we're seeing. And, yeah. um, I, mean, I, just, go- I just want to say, sorry, I just want to say yeah. just, it might be a pod first, but hmm. I think, I think Jurgen Klopp was, was, was oh, massively yeah. right and summed up yeah. perfectly yesterday. Just don't listen to scaremongering and, and, and trust the experts because, you know, without these incredible scientists, academics who develop these vaccines, we'd still be in this continuous loop of being locked inside and, and we'd be nowhere near stadiums. I'll tell you that now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to a couple of games over Christmas and I'm genuinely, you know, kind of concerned about it because there are, there are measures that you can take. You can't account for other people. That's Absolutely. my that's my yeah. problem. And so, you know, even going shopping, for example, I, I stay as safe as I can and I certainly try and stay as conscious as I can of, you know, be the safety of others. And yet there'll be just someone who basically, you know, by a tin of beans comes right up to you and it's in your space. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Just step away from me. Just keep a meter back. And um, yeah, so that is it's a concern of mine over Christmas. Um, but I mean, the last question on today's pod is about what festive football means to us. And we we have to live. We have to factor that in. You know, if the games oh, are going God. ahead and it's Christmas, you know, I'm, I'm going to a game for the first ever time with my nephew this Christmas. It's going to be joyous. It'll be lovely. But... Yeah, so it's it's tricky and it's hard and, and no one's saying otherwise, but yeah, all we can do is be as safe as we can. I think this is why the protocols have got to be in place though, like you said. Yes. There is a yeah. there is a there is a worry that it's gonna to get to this time of year every year and naturally there's gonna be some sort of surge. Hopefully not, but there's some sort of surge in cases and the Premier League will have to sort of take some sort of action. But I think that is the the scariest thing that there is nothing in place at the moment. They're just sort of doing it on a whim. Hmm. Um and sort of just changing the stance every two seconds it's you know you're going to play if you've got 14 players but then some clubs are getting three or four out and the game's getting postponed so there's just sort of there's no sort of guideline as to how many players you've got to have out for the game to be postponed of course the the problem is if three players have got it then another three four five could have it but just not showing any symptoms until a couple of days later as well so yeah and, and you don't know on the kind of fitness levels of those players you know i've I'm, I'm just been writing yeah. a, a spurs preview ahead of liverpool game on sunday and they've got several players out still with covid mm. you know son is out lucas mora is out and i think there's four or five of them and um, first team starters as well and yeah you, you know it's 50 50 they may well play but you, again, you don't know how impactful they're going to be. It, yeah. it might well be after you know, 60 minutes, they are absolutely shattered. So we don't, we're not privy to that. We don't know that. Um, Ali, I'm going to ask you a very hard question. I apologise for it, but should the City game go ahead on Sunday? 
From whose point of view? Um, from my point of view, as someone who wants to sit at home in my nice warm living room and watch it on the telly, yeah, definitely share them. That's, a, that's a pertinent. That uh, is, a, a pertinent <laughs> but I mean, I mean, truthfully and seriously, that is a pertinent point. I mean, absolutely, I go along with that. Yeah. Uh, from the point of view of public health and 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 it also, it was just occurring to me as you were talking about the uh, Spurs lineup. There's another factor in all all of this, which is we don't just want games of football to go ahead. We want fair and good games of football to. Yeah. Um, we want teams to be able to put out a team that wants uh, clubs to be able to put out a team that can compete, um, whether against City or against anyone else. So you know, if if a club is patching together like a, a, a mix of first teams, reserve players, and kids in order to put out eleven players on the pitch, um, it's not a fair contest, particularly if, if the other club isn't affected similarly. Uh, so you know, with with all of the things we've just said, no, the the sensible thing would be for the Premier League to say, right, all of these games, uh, all all games until Boxing Day mm. are postponed, and we want every footballer um, and if at all possible every fan to stay at home for the next eight days and and you know bubble themselves uh, and all of that, and and let's see if we can break this thing. Um, but that won't happen largely because never mind what. Uh, never mind me wanting to sit at home and, and watch a game of football in, in my nice, warm, safe living room. Um, the broadcasters are the people that basically control the bottom line and all of these things. Um, they don't want empty schedules on the Sunday afternoon before Christmas. They, they want a game somewhere. So if between the broadcasters and the football authorities, they can manage to get a game or two on, then I'm pretty sure they will. Um, mm. because, you know, we all know the bottom line is, is money always and, and it's a business. Uh, so, you know, the, there's all kinds of different shoes, what, what the right thing would be from all sorts of different perspectives. Um, but I don't think the right thing will be the, the decisive factor whether yeah. the game goes ahead or not. It will be, um, you know, whether it's possible to do it without, uh, yeah, and and the the commercial pressures involved still making the profits that they want to make. That's what it comes down to. Mm. Okay, well let, let's get on to the Newcastle game, and we'll we'll kind of um, look back at um, the Leeds game, particularly De Bruyne. After that, and um, I think that'll be more natural order to do things. And with that in mind, I mean Harry, kind of how kind of informed are you right now on who's available for City? Um, you know, the like lineups, kind of injuries. Um, I, I know that you've got the the, the presser. Is yeah. it half half one? Half one normally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but prior to that, of kind of um, what do you know of kind of who's who's out, who's in, and and, and the rest. Mm. I'm trying to think, the only one who was missing really was was Carl Walker on it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were trying to say that he's put on an even high end artist step. Um, <laughs> apparently, apparently he had a he had a slight knock. Um. So I think he's just. I think it was just not a risk. I think I think he should be back. Um, apart from that, I think it's interesting you brought up the players who were knackered before because of COVID. There was a really good interview with Kevin De Bruyne this week. How he says does a couple of sprints and he's knackered. And he's still feeling the effects of, of yeah. having COVID. Um, so there's a, there's a fine line there with him whether you sort of play him back into his form or you know you risk him getting knackered because you know he's had this illness. Um, but apart from Apart from Walker, obviously Torres is, is still out. It's still a while away from from coming back. Um, I don't can't think off the top of my head unless I'm I'm missing someone in particular. Um, that, that, that's out. Gundogan had a bit of a back problem, but he was back in midweek as well and, and looked okay. So so yeah, just Walker. But it, it seemed like it was just a slight knock. So I'd probably expect him to be back. 
Okay, I'm looking at the possible lineups. Um, of course, you know, the games come thick and fast this time of year, but looking at City's schedule, it's not too bad, or at least it could be significantly worse. Uh, we're playing Sunday, then Sunday, then Wednesday, then Saturday, which is pretty standard. If that was March, we wouldn't think anything of it. So with that in mind, are you anticipating lots of kind of changes, Ali? Um, not just with Newcastle, but across the, the festive schedule. Do you think Pep is thinking, right, I'll drop you in for this game and then I'll put you in for that game? Yeah, I doubt it, to be honest, because as you say, we've got the luxury of a, a reasonably normal uh, few weeks of football. You know, mm. one game a week and then two games a week and then one game a week. It, it's fine. Um and the fact that we've got a, a full week off between Sunday, uh, uh, again, all of this is assuming that all the games go ahead as scheduled. Um, got a full week off between the games. Uh, there's very little reason, unless someone is, is carrying, uh, the after effects of, of the game the other day. Yeah. Uh, but even then, it's, we're talking about a five day turnaround from the last game to the next one. So, yeah, that's quite a lot of recovery time there too. Um, I'm assuming that Cancelo will be back having had a week off, uh, of enforced rest, which yeah. I, I yeah. hope he spent the entire, uh, week sitting in a hot jacuzzi somewhere, <laughs> uh, and getting some freshness back in his legs. Um, and it, it, one of the, the joys of having a couple of fairly, uh, not so easy games, but, but games that we made look easy and straightforward, um, is Bernardo and Rodri were able to come off after an hour or so, um, and uh, they could have a rest too. So I think everyone should be in pretty good shape um, come Sunday, um, and barring any medical complications that we don't know about and, and uh, you know, things like you know. Is Phil Foden's ankle completely back to 100% now? Does he need a bit more recovery time than he otherwise would? We don't know. Uh, maybe we'll find out more at the presser today, but I, you know, to be honest, I doubt it because Pep doesn't usually tell us these things anyway. Um, uh, so I think it, it's going to be something fairly close to a full-strength team on, on Sunday. Um, or at least you know, Pep has got the luxury of being able to pick whatever team he thinks is, is most appropriate and, and uh, you know, will work best for the occasion. And, and that's a, a fabulous luxury to have at this time of year we don't often and when you look around particularly the conversation we've just been having um we're probably just about the only club in the league that seems to have that luxury at the moment well that kind of leads perfectly into kind of predicting the lineup and particularly the front three harry who would mm. you who would be your preferred front three and does that differ to who you believe pep will go for well it's probably linked to your last question i think the front three is the only position where he will sort of chop and change it a little bit Right. As we go through this this period, we've got a pretty settled midfield and back, <clears throat> back four at the moment. Um, I would like personally, I would like to see Grealish, uh, Foden, and and Raz again, like the, like against Watford. I think that was that was frightening in the first half, and I think they combined quite well. But then again, it was Grealish, Foden, and, and Riyad against Leeds, and I, I know it's a bit different. I mean, Leeds were absolutely decimated with injuries, and you got to kind of take that result with bit of a pinch of salt um, but there was a nice mixture of directness in there with Foden and sort of the slow methodical play of, of Riyadh and, mm. and Grealish uh, which I thought was quite a nice mix but I love the directness of, of Raheem in the box especially with with no striker um, and obviously he's starting to come back into form you're not just playing him trying to get him into form he is in form now and perhaps got a bit of a selection headache because I can't think of a, a forward player not involved we've not even I've not even mentioned Gabriel Jesus and he didn't even deserve to come out of the team when he did, to be honest. Mm. And he's had a brilliant start to the season. Uh, Grealish sorts, looks to be sort of gaining to a swing. But then, obviously, you've got the dilemma of if Rodri, Bernardo and Gunnar are your best midfield, where does 
you know, Kevin De Bruyne fit in? Does he come in the midfield, sacrificing probably Gundogan, or does he get in that front three? Um, he's got a bit of a bit of a headache, um, which is probably a good one at this time of year with the, the fixtures. Um, but yeah, I, I, personally, I would like to see uh, Grealish, Foden, and Raz give another run out. It's just occurred to me actually that if you've got a busy festive period. That's actually, in some ways, easier on a manager, yeah. assuming he's got a, you know a full squad, because he simply says to his players, "Right, you play for this game. I'm resting you for that game, but you're going to feature here." But he can't get away with it, Pep. Can he? On this occasion, he can't say to kind of you know Raz, "I'm resting you on Sunday," because there's a whole other week before we play again. Mm-hmm. So you know they'll know that they're basically being dropped. Um, yeah, he has got a selection headache, um, which for us obviously is is a benefit. Um, Okay, looking at the other side of the coin, Newcastle's game against Liverpool last night. Uh, Newcastle were good, but I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's easy to play well against the likes of Liverpool or City. You know, for Newcastle to stay up, they need to play well against the likes of Watford and Brighton. Um, Have you seen any evidence, Ali, of kind of improvement under Eddie Howe up at Newcastle? To be honest, no. Um, you say Newcastle were quite good last night. I thought second half they were quite solid. They they were working mm. quite hard and and made it look quite difficult for Liverpool. Um, but I, actually, I watched last night. I thought both teams were quite poor. To be honest, I thought Liverpool uh, kept giving the ball away. They were sloppy. Yeah. They were a bit slow. They were a bit scrappy, and they won very easily. The the scoreline didn't really do justice to the game that I watched. Um, the I mean. The fact Newcastle got one goal, it was like the, the absolute classic former player coming back to a club and scoring a wonder <laughs> goal. They're like, John Joe Shelby sc- seems to score one of those about every two years. Like, you can set your calendar by it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was like a cracking goal, but uh, that it kind of uh, threw a little bit of a um, gloss over Newcastle's performance. Um, because I thought in the first half, particularly, they were absolutely all over the place. Um, their defending was really shocking. They gave the ball away a lot, and it was only that Liverpool actually looked quite complacent, and it was a bit easy for them that the score wasn't kind of City Leeds type levels. Uh, so no, uh, the, the the honest truth is, every time I've looked at Newcastle, and I haven't watched them that closely, um, but over the last few games, I've, I've dipped in and out the games we've been playing, and I haven't really seen any marked change or or improvement not only from the Steve Bruce years but from the Rafa Benitez yeah Newcastle have just basically been like really quite mediocre for a long 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 time and I I think there's kind of a there's a mixture of some quite good players playing badly and some quite bad players playing badly (laughs) (laughs) and it's kind of Obviously, there is scope for improvement there, but not that much because just their squad isn't that good and they've got an awful lot of players that are long past their sell-by date um, and they really do need, uh, you know, they need a, a billionaire backer to, to spend a lot of money on their squad, uh, which will probably bring us on to the next part of this conversation. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but no, it, it, I was looking at it last night. I was trying to be as uh, you know, objective, a, 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 you know, what, what would you say, a, a, a sober and intelligent football analyst for the benefit of 9320 podcast hmm. listeners. Uh, so. I had, I had my best concentration pace on, at least for the first half, and I was looking for any way that Newcastle could really cause us problems, um, and I was struggling to see it. Oh, the, no. The, I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to go on and, and, and throw the, the huge bot on, on, uh, at the end of this. Don't worry, the bot is coming. Um, 
there was there's Alan Sam Maxman, who's a, a fantastic player, not a wonderful to watch. And you can kind of understand how Newcastle players love him, but also how neutral fans. He's a player that you would want to see playing. He limped off after seventy five minutes, um, having run himself into the ground. He, you know, he looked like. You know, in the, in the old cowboy movies, when like the hero has to ride his horse across the desert for two days, and, it, and finally it collapses with its legs going under, and he has to put a bullet in his head. That's roughly what Alan Sir Maximan looked like at seventy-five minutes yesterday. Um, so I'm presuming he won't be back for Sunday. Uh, Callum Wilson came on. He's obviously a good striker. Um, but the big bot, of course, is it's football and you never know what's going to happen. And a team can look like absolute dog shit one day and then come out and produce a performance two days later. And there's absolutely no reason to imagine that Newcastle won't doing that, won't do that. Um, but they haven't done so. No, none of the, um, opponents that they played have brought that, uh, out. Of course, they've got St. James's Park on Sunday, which helps them a bit. And, and certainly they won't have, uh, the, the Anfield crowd against them. So yeah, that may be swing it slightly. Um, but really, you know, I think if I was a Newcastle fan looking at City's performance on Tuesday and looking at our own performance last night, I would really struggle to find any grounds for optimism whatsoever. So, of course, that means it's going to be nil-nil or, or be nick it one-nil. <laughs> It'd also be so City for Jordan to join into Messi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah Absolutely. I, I've, I've got a theory about Newcastle and I can't quite believe I'm going to make this public, but it, it <laughs> Does this like your Watford one? It is. It's always oh, is ten times worse. Uh, it, uh, genuinely, it's ten times worse. So it infuriates me no end when people like Sam Allardyce are called firefighters and they get these jobs after jobs after jobs, um, and they come in and they basically bring it all down, strip everything down to basics at Everton, etc., etc. Um, it genuinely does infuriate me. However, Sam Allardyce should have gone to Newcastle, not Eddie Howe, because <laughs> and the key difference for me, you see, is. Everton have very good players and they basically needed a very good manager. Sam Allardyce is not a very good manager. What he does do, though, is strip everything down to basics and he makes a te- their team hard to break down. That's what Newcastle need right now. Their defence is all over the shop, as you say, Ali. They don't have very good players and you put those two things together and they're going to go down. However, if you just got someone who basically just organised them well to put 10 men behind the ball, work for each other, close off passing lanes and make themselves hard to break down, they've got a chance with players like San uh, Massimino up front. Yeah. Then they could have stayed up. Under Eddie Howe, they're not going to stay up. So I can't quite believe I'm going to say this, but they needed a firefighter, in inverted brackets, and they needed big Sam Allardyce or someone of his ilk. Um, I think he was the wrong appointment, but there you go. Mm. Harry, um, how funny will it be to see Newcastle be the, the richest football club in the world and in the championship? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a null and void question, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter what manager you have in, the squad is is con- considerably terrible. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a, I think, I don't need to say, it's a massive January for them. Um, at the moment, they're just looking like they're relying on three teams being worse than them in the yeah. Premier League, which is... Yeah. Mad that it's entirely possible that three teams are worse than them. Um, so, yeah, possibly, possibly quite funny. I always thought that would be City at some point. Um, so it would be quite nice for to see to see it with Newcastle. Um, but yeah, it's it's a massive January for them if they can. The problem they've got is it's not just the money; it's 
telling these players that you know that you're not going to be in the championship next season yeah. because if you sign a, a really really good player say I don't know let's pick one out let's say Jesse Lingard from from Manchester United that'd probably be a decent signing for him in fact it would be a good signing yeah. for them yeah you know how how are they going to convince to him from the first half of the season that they aren't going to be in the championship next season he's not going to be one there you're going to be want to be there um so Whatever they do, it's going to be interesting to see, but they've, they've got a mightily big job on their hands. Uh, considering the teams they've played as of late as well, uh, and the fixtures they've got coming up, they've got a, they've, uh, they've, they've got the biggest of biggest jobs on their hands. Yeah, I think we need a footballing equivalent, footballers equivalent of Sam Allardyce. <laughs> we need to just, <laughs> we need to bring in these practical players. Yeah, uh, you're really doubling yeah. down on this. I am, I am. <laughs> we, we shouldn't be going for the Lingards. We should be bringing in kind of championship players, basically, um, and just get you know a, a solidified team together because. Mm. All that matters for them is to stay up. I mean, basically, if they stay up with a fresh start next season and the ability in the summer transfer window to attract players, then, yeah, they could be a force to be reckoned with. Otherwise, their project could go back two or three years. Yeah. Well, if anyone knows anything about uh, transfer dealings, it's, it's Sam Allardyce. So. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, so how, um, for each of you, but starting with you, Ali, how do you think the game will play out and your score prediction? God, um, it's difficult because like everything I've just said, like you know, we should hammer them, but then of course it's football, so hmm. like, um, I think uh, I, I, I'm going to come out and say it. We're we're just going to do them. They're not going to score, <laughs> and we will end up scoring at least three. Like I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll it. be modest. I'll, I'll I'll phrase it in that way. Um, I think it could be more, but we will score at least three, and they will not score. That's you know, my prediction. You know what? That just reminded me. I, I was in the pub last night. I was watching the Liverpool game, and when it went to two one, a Liverpool fan turned to me and said, "What's the goal difference right now after you got seven the other night?" <laughs> and, and I said, "Oh, I think well, we were behind, but I think it's pretty much level." He goes, "Oh, so we need we need five one six one here, do we?" I thought, "Oh my God, you arrogant get." <laughs> No, I mean, you never hear a City fan say that at 2-1. Oh, we need to get five or six years. How many learned their lessons from Crystal Palace back in the day? Mm. Jesus. Anyway. Although, although on uh, on Tuesday, I was sort of had that in the back of my mind. We could you know, <laughs> 3-0 up after 20 minutes. I thought, you know, maybe maybe we could do a bit of a catching up to Liverpool there. No, that's a fair point. I actually did think that against Leeds. It's just because of how ago. tight it is. It could come down to that. I mean, it's not out of the realms of possibility, is it? I mean, it's happened to us before. Yeah. It is, it's as tight as it is it could come down to that it's fair enough um, okay Harry uh, how do you think the game will play out and score prediction um, I think it could be a really 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 good atmosphere because it's a bit of a I don't want to coin a sort of football Twitter but it's a bit of a oil derby isn't it it's like the first oil <laughs> so I think that, I think the Newcastle fans will be up for it so I think it could be tighter than you, you expect but once we get control of the game in these I mean we've performed better away from home haven't we this season than, yeah. than at home um, I think apart from Spurs, have we dropped any points? Uh, Liverpool, away mm. from home. So we've typically performed better away from home. Once we get control of the game, we sort of silence the crowd and sort of methodically score an opening goal and then sort of take the game away from the opposition. Yeah. Um, I, I've got, I've gone for a tighter two now. I'm looking forward, can I say, I'm looking forward to our... Uh, in fact, over to you, Harry, you're there. I'm going to say I'm looking forward to our away fans, but I'm, I'm talking to you. Uh, 
singing all sorts of songs about um, you rich bastards. I don't know. I'm not yeah. quite sure. How if you, you can, if you can scam. hear us, I mean, uh, <laughs> I've never been to Newcastle. This is my first time, but I've heard horror stories about the the away end in there. Yeah, absolutely. Take a bit and go yeah. tablet. Yeah, um, yeah <laughs> we, we lost one away. Obviously, it was uh, Spurs the first game, wasn't it? But since then, yeah, yeah, yeah. and some nice kind of one nils. I always love a one nil away from home. Um, I'm going to go for three one City, and I think it's going to be very straightforward. I think Newcastle will have. A 15 minute spell where the fans get behind him and then they create a few chances but 3-1 City for me okay it was anything but 3-1 the other night against Leeds um, 7-0 wonderful um, I just want to focus on one aspect and one aspect only uh, starting with you Ali King Kev's back how good was his performance how good is he when he plays like that uh, well I think the answer is in your question there. We all know the answer. Uh, I'm a little bit wary of, of being uh, too effusive right now because I remember uh, back in what would have been about September, October, when Kev came back after missing the beginning of the season with the injury that he came back from the Euros with. Um, and the first couple of games back, he looked great. And I was on one of these pods talking about how you know Kev has come straight back at the absolute top of his game and he looks fantastic and we've got nothing to worry about. Uh, and it lasted about two games and then his form dipped massively mm. um, and I don't want to curse it too much uh, particularly given as, as Harry mentioned earlier he gave, a, he gave an interview to Belgian uh, media this week where he talked about how tired he still feels and, and how he's still you know, struggling with the after effects of Covid and his injury and all the rest of it um, so I'm not counting any chickens yet but just on the 90 minutes that he played on uh, Tuesday night uh, he was phenomenal, he looked uh, fast and powerful and like possibly he'd lost a bit of weight. Um, he, he, that probably just an illusion based on how, you know, uh, how smoothly and easily he was moving and, uh, just how he glided. I'm also aware that there is probably not another team in the Premier League that would make it as easy for Kevin De Bruyne as Leeds did. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was ridiculous how much they opened out and, and how much space there was in the middle of the pitch for, for Kevin and also for Rodri particularly, um, who just was going anywhere he wanted. I mean, like, if he'd wanted to set up a picnic table and get out some chicken legs and, yeah. and you know, lie and, and have a have a party in the middle of the game, then Rodri could have. He had that much space. Um, so, you know, like, everything that uh, could have aligned for Kevin De Bruyne on Tuesday night did, uh, and it was beautiful to see. Um, the way he scored both of his goals, actually, everybody's talk about his, his uh, thunder bastard in the second half. Um, I thought his finish for the first goal was absolutely exceptional. It was because that's a much more difficult, you know, it's, sometimes just hitting the ball as hard as you possibly can and it flies back in, in, in the back of the net is just something that professional footballers get right occasionally. Mm. Whereas the skill involved in, in taking a ball that's coming from behind you and, and placing a finish past the goalkeeper the way he did for the first goal is sometimes, you know, kind of more impressive. So, uh, absolutely everything about Kevin on Tuesday night was a delight to see. Um, he appeared to be enjoying himself, uh, we all enjoyed watching him, um, and long may it continue. I mean, it's, it's striking. We talked about uh, again, yeah, a month or two back when he had a really bad dip in form, 
we were kind of saying it was okay because the players around him had uh, you know, Cancelo and, and Foden and Rodri and Bernardo were playing so well that we could afford to live without Kevin at, at his best for a while. Um, now we have got those other players still playing as well as they were and we look to have Kevin somewhere back to his uh, you know, best in the world levels players. So what a team we have got on our hands right now. True enough, absolutely. Just the prospect of Bernardo and, and Kev at their peak is is just mouth-watering, isn't it? Um, that performance, Harry, how impressive was it? How good was City? I mean, we can all agree that Leeds, as I said, yeah, it, yeah but even so, you, as cliches go, this is right up there, but you can only beat what's in front of you. I mean, boy, did City beat them. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, it's a brilliant display. Like I said, just a little pinch of salt. I mean, they looked unrecognisable to me, especially without Calvin Phillips. I'm a massive Calvin Phillips fan. Yeah. Uh, and that midfield was was just non-existent. As you said, De Bruyne was just completely running the show in there. Um, but they caught City on their day. And when you catch City on the day, there's not many teams that can stop them, whether you're full strength or not. Um, and yeah, it was it, it was fantastic. It was... I mean, I said that I turned to him, my mum and I said, you know, in the, the first 10 minutes, we'd done infinitely more than we'd done in 90 against Wolves. So that probably summed up the sort of improvement in performance. Yeah. Um, and, and there was sort of improvements from all over the field. Grealish had one of his better games in a in a City shirt. Foden looks to be getting back to his best. I thought Mares was superb all night as well. Um, even down to when Gundogan came on. Gundogan was fantastic when he came on as well. So catching... Virtually nine out of t- nine out of eleven city players on a on a good day. Not many teams are are, are going to beat you, but yeah, despite Leeds' team, City were City were fantastic. You know what? That's what it comes down to. We do these weekly pods, and you know we'll write about City and we'll talk about City endlessly, and that's what it comes down to, isn't it? If our team has you know eight or nine of its players turn up on a day, that's it. It's game over. <laughs> That's yeah, how exactly. good we are, you know. It really yeah. does come down to that, you know. But obviously, there's no way of us knowing beforehand if that's going to be the case. Probably Pep's not the wiser as well until kind of, you know, a minute or two into the game. Okay, let's end on kind of um, just a general thought on Christmas football. We don't know yet if the schedule's going to go ahead. We don't know mm-hmm. yet what's going to be cancelled or what is, is going to be allowed to go. Um, should it all happen before our eyes? Um, Ali? How much do you enjoy, whether you go to a game or not? I mean, particularly not actually at Christmas. I, I love just lying on a sofa surrounded by chocolate and beer and, <laughs> and watching a game of football. It, it's, it's joyous, isn't it? It is. I, mean, um, I should explain, in my household, uh, one of my, one of my uh, dismal failings as a parent, uh, I've got two sons who are now aged, what, 13 and 19, um, and neither of them is especially in football, and my wife has got no interest at all. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm the football head in our household. Um, and when I'm at home, or, or when, you know, the usual Christmas stuff is going on, uh, there's nothing I like better than when it gets to Boxing Day, and I can just yeah. go and disappear into a quiet corner of the house, take a laptop, uh, and watch a football. I don't care who's playing, whether it's us or anyone else, and just like go away and lose myself in football for, you know, ideally about eight hours. You know, exactly. <laughs> four consecutive games from 11 o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, and I would be absolutely happy on Boxing Day. Um, wh- when I can get to a game, I will say, despite the fact that like, I've, I've uh, failed in my uh, fatherly duties towards my own sons and making them <laughs> dedicated City fans, um, I think it'd be probably three years ago, maybe four years ago, I was back in 
in my hometown over Christmas in Perth in Scotland. Um, and I somehow persuaded uh, my entire family, plus a couple of cousins or nephews and nieces, um, to all go to St. Johnson v. Dundee, which is our big derby. They, they're our big rivals. Right. Um, and we went down to McDermott Park on this absolutely miserably cold uh, Boxing Day weather. I mean, you, you know what the weather is like in Manchester in, or Newcastle, for that matter, in <laughs> December. Well, add another 200 miles north on the east coast of the North Sea. Um, <laughs> Perth is not a good place to be on Boxing Day. We were absolutely shivering to our bones. We were huddled around. It was a terrible game that Johnson <laughs> was 2-0. And everything about it was absolutely miserable. And we had a fantastic day out. Oh. Uh, and and to this day, I mean, I'll take the high point, I think, my wife, uh, like to this day, Claire will, will sometimes rib me because she'd never been to a football match before. She thought that she was married to this um, like, very gentle, uh, <laughs> like, easygoing pacifist. Um, and... and uh, she was standing beside me when their winger got round our fullback and was disappearing off in the horizon. And she heard me like yelling the traditional football supporters, um, uh, greeting of bring him down, hack him, chop his fucking legs off. <laughs> um, and she had no idea that this is what you do at a football match. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Didn't understand the, the, the tactics involved when you uh, when you do a professional foul. And she just thought that I had turned into this kind of Hannibal Lecter psychopath, um, which is what happens when people go to football matches. But no, uh, to this day, my uh, my younger son sometimes says, "Do you remember when we went when we we went to that completely terrible football match on Boxing Day in Perth?" But like, yeah, I do. Uh, so it's the, the moral of this story is uh, football football at uh, Christmas can stay with you, and it is a family occasion. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there will be lots of in you know, at City and and wherever we go over the uh, holiday period, um, there will be lots of families like mine where uh, someone persuades other family members to come along for a game that they wouldn't go before, and lots of people will have a, a very uh, memorable festive experience, and and it's part of it's so much a part of the football calendar. You know, there are things that happen over the the. Uh, space of a year, whether it's tournaments in the summer or cup finals in May, um, you know, uh, the third round of the FA Cup at the beginning of January, and there's the Boxing Day fixtures, you know, the, the Christmas holiday fixtures, uh, and all of them go a long way to making the, the kind of the whole experience of being a football fan what it is, and, and I absolutely treasure it for that. Absolutely, it, it, it's it's mm. part of society, isn't it? It's not just it extends beyond football. It, as you said, it, it's yeah. you, you take family, you take people who don't ordinarily go. I, I should say that your rebuke to the um, to the to the winger there—that's going to be my new ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I get to you, Harry, I've got to say this about Boxing Day. Um, I was I had a phone call with kind of a fellow kind of writer this week. And he was saying, um, you know, oh, I, I don't work for anyone Christmas Eve and obviously Christmas Day. Boxing Day, he said, I always work. I love working Boxing Day. It's football galore and it's just, mm. you, you immerse yourself in it. I was like, mate, are you mad? It's like completely the opposite of me. I'm happy to work Christmas Eve because then you've got that satisfaction of closing your laptop, you're done, it's Christmas. I won't work for anyone on Boxing Day. Not a chance. It's Football, wall-to-wall, as you said, Ali, there's no way I'm working. It's, I would watch it as a fan and very, very drunk in the process. It's basically football, booze, buffet, 
Boxing Day as well, for some weird reason, I always buy the racing post. I always have a, 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 a tip on horses. I never normally bet on horses, but I win on Boxing Day. I love it. Anyway, Harry, Boxing Day football, Christmas football, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think sport in, in general for me over Christmas is, is massively important. I mentioned before the pod had finished my first trimester in my master's, so it's time for me to sort of sit back and reboot. Yeah, I'm doing very minimal work. Um, so this year, of course, you've got City, hopefully, which is brilliant. And I think we have a game on Boxing Day at home, don't we? Yeah, we have Leicester. Yeah. So yeah. So, so that'll be that'll be enjoyable. Um, of course, this year, well, this year we've got the Ashes. Uh, obviously, I'm a massive cricket fan, but probably the less said about that, the better, because England are categorically rubbish. Uh, and it's never it's never Christmas without the Darts World Championships. So mm, when that yeah. comes about, it's, it signals the the start of Christmas. Um, we normally go down. We're not going down this year, which is a bit of a shame. But it, it's always brilliant entertainment. Um, and it's on two sessions a day at the moment. So I'll be finishing this pod and I'll be going down and watching the twelve thirty <laughs> session for four hours and then the the seven nice. o'clock session tonight. Um, so it's, it's brilliant. No, I, I love it. It's there's so much to watch, and that kind of would be a bit of a disappointment if the football got cancelled. Of course, of course, obviously the health comes first, but it's it's an exciting time, and it's as you said, it's sort of ingrained in in the culture. And of course, we've got we've got a World Cup next Christmas as well. Um, well, <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, be well, I, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to sort of throw the dig in there, but you know, <laughs> yeah. ho- ho- hopefully we've all got a World Cup. Um, so yeah, we've got a sort of enjoy it because we don't really many of us get much time off so it's sort of ingrained in the culture and yeah i'm, I'm definitely going to enjoy it this year well said man well yeah I, I mean you've got me in the christmas spirit now if nothing else and that's, oh, a, that's yes. a real positive yeah um honestly turn the darts on you'll have a fantastic time. <laughs> <laughs> um on that note thank you very much harry for joining us today mate yeah pleasure mate thanks ali I've loved it, and happy Christmas to everyone. Absolutely, and and, and thanks for everyone for listening in. Um, that's a wrap for today, folks. We'll have to see if we've just wasted 40 minutes of our lives, and if we have, then who am I talking to right now? That's <laughs> just that's just wrecked my head. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, be well, and forever up the wonderful blues. <laughs>